Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Raindrop Corner. This particular episode is going to be very different from any episode that you've ever heard from this podcast before, and the reason behind that is because it is episode 10, it also marks the end of season 1 for this podcast. I realize that I have had some upload irregularity, so season 1 <laughs> of this podcast has been more like a year and a half, almost two years of of uploads and of guests. And this is kind of a, a rumination moment. This is definitely going to be a reflection episode on all of the guests that I've had on this show and all of the experiences that I've had kind of leading this this podcast up to season two. And it was really important for me to do this episode. I don't talk very much. I normally ask the questions and participate in the conversation as needed, but I make all of my episodes about the guest. And that's something that I enjoy doing. And I think I said this in earlier episodes, but I used to have a YouTube channel. And in that YouTube channel, you know, it was pretty much me talking about issues that really hit close to home, issues that I really wanted to talk about, and things that I really was passionate about. And I've been able to do that in this podcast as well, but on a different level with every person that I interview kind of driving that conversation and presenting that opportunity through their own ideologies. And that has been such a great experience for me. It's been such a whirlwind. I never really imagined myself starting a podcast. And for many years, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I really didn't learn what a podcast was until probably, I want to say maybe four or five years ago. And that's because I was working in a, a tech environment. And it was one of the apps on a device that you know, I would have to look at with customers and I would have to troubleshoot and I wanted to be well versed with everything that I was talking to other people about. So I was like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to some podcasts. And I'm going to see what the hoopla is about. And I really enjoyed it. I love the atmosphere that a podcast presents. I love the fact that you can sit down with other people and interview them. Or if you have a lot to say, you can say the things you have to say. If you want to tell a story, you can do that. Really, essentially, it's another mode of art. And for me, it kind of was what I needed as opposed to YouTube. Even though I enjoyed making YouTube videos back in the day and talking about topics that were really important to me, I'm not really one for being in front of a camera. And I think for me, if I am going to be in front of a camera, it has to feel a lot more structured and it has to be under a different medium. I feel like this is just a better way for me to reach people. And essentially, you know, I got inspired by several podcasts that I listen to. And I the JV Club podcast sticks out to me. TED Talk sticks out to me. Um, the How Stuff Works podcast sticks out, and there are a bunch others that I'm honestly forgetting right now, but I really liked their content, and I liked the way they could use a platform that provides audio to kind of communicate with other people. It's very simplistic. You can listen to a podcast on the go, 
And it's not as, I'm not saying that, you know, reading or watching something is invasive, but if you're doing other things, it's a lot easier to listen to a podcast while you're kind of multitasking. And I really liked that aspect. It was a little bit less of a demand from people that kind of allowed them more flexibility. And that was attractive to me. And I thought it would be a really, really cool way to have a platform but to have less pressure in terms of having to video edit and, and things of the like. My first um, feeling when I thought about potentially having my own podcast is I want to have people collab with me. I want to interview interesting people, inspirational people who do really cool things and not only because you know I liked their content or I liked what they were doing, but also because I feel like it'd be a good opportunity to kind of take a look into someone else's world. And my first guest, Ryan Troutman, who's a good friend of mine, such a great guy, I felt like he'd be the perfect way to kickstart the podcast because he's just such a worldly and talented being. He has such an inspiring story as well. Here is someone who in most cases, would have died. He has survived this traumatic brain injury that was caused by a horrible car accident. And this is somebody who spent months in the hospital and had to completely relearn how to walk, how to talk, how to think, and how to be an independent and a functional human being all over again. And despite people telling him, hey, you can't do this, you're not going to be able to do this, you have to be more realistic, this is somebody who has a very nice job, who has made a very nice life for himself, who has very recently created his own nonprofit called Second Chance Story, where he helps other individuals who have gone through traumatic brain injuries tell their story through the form of a very gripping and poignant documentary. Um, which is amazing. And this is also someone who was able to, you know, publish his own novel. So his experiences are really something of, of magnificence, something that completely empowers me. And I can relate on the level that, you know, I am a cancer survivor, I had brain cancer. I was in a situation where I was supposed to die and I could have possibly died because not very many people live through brain cancer. It is a small few of us that do. So to go through situations where you have bigger obstacles placed in front of you because you have to overcome something that the normal person wouldn't have to overcome, and you have to still take care of yourself. Life doesn't stop just because your body decides that it wants to temporarily stop. You still have to work. You still have to um, take care of yourself. If you're in school, you still have to go to school. So being able to really manage all of that is a feat all in itself. And Ryan stands as someone that I respect with all of my heart. He is so selfless and so thoughtful of other people and so worldly, like just the travels that he's had and the experiences that he's had make me wish that I had more frequent flyer miles. But 
individuals like him is truly why I do this podcast and while I why I enjoy it so much like even my second guest Miss Andrea Saracusa who works with the nonprofit Dreams Come True is inspiring all in herself it it's always a sensitive topic when you're dealing with death and that is something that they deal with constantly the kids that they help for Dreams Come True um they're kids who are all suffering from terminal illnesses of some kind and a lot of them pass away some of them don't some of them recuperate and some of them come back from their condition and that's always great when that happens but the fact that you're able to take a child who's going through a very dark situation a very harrowing situation and you're able to make a dream come true whether it's you know taking them to their favorite area you know, buying them a device that they've always wanted to have, um, taking them on a vacation, having them go on this amazing experience, just so you can see that smile. You can see that iota of life, that iota of viability that makes them an integral part of the world that we live in. And that's just such a great thing. And it makes me smile. And I think it gives you a sense that There's a lot of humanity in this world. We live in a world where we are constantly surrounded by, you know, stories of people getting shot in a bar, people getting shot in a club, people getting shot at a school, um, these acts of hate occurring, people being strung up, people persecuting people because of their religion, their race, their sexuality, their ideologies. It's really refreshing when you hear stories like Ryan and Andrea's, where they're doing something positive and they're showing a sense of kindness in a world that is not always quite as kind. But more than anything, glimpsing into their world is a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment that shows you that, you know, the world we live in is not as bad as we think it is. And we can take something that's bad, bad situations, bad instances and unfortunate and sad instances and make them a positive and to me like I didn't get emotional in front of either one of them but listening to both of those interviews made me feel emotional because you have tremendous humans on this earth who can look at situations like this and do something wonderful with it. And it's definitely an illustration of what can happen when you take unfortunate things and you kind of shape them into something beautiful. And like even with the Jacksonville Symphony, which was my third interview, I really was excited to do that. Also, I am very big on classical music, on orchestral music. It really has a special place in my heart. And I love experiencing what what tempos, what melodies, what vocals come together to create this centrifugal force that is a unified piece of music. So that's always been great for me. And with the Jacksonville Symphony, they're an interesting piece of history in Jacksonville as a whole because if you look at Jacksonville as a city it is the largest city landmass wise 
in the United States, but as far as its actual population, it is not the most populated city. But because it's so large, it's so spaced out. So Jacksonville Symphony, which has kind of always resided in the downtown area as kind of this cultural hub, you know, beckons a certain type of audience. And something that um, Amy Rankin and Tony Nichol... Amy Rankin is interesting on the one hand because even though she's not the individual that I interviewed for the podcast, I did a blog article on her. And I posted it up on my website, but she's very interesting. She was the she was the first person that I interviewed when I got to the Times Union Center, which is where the Jacksonville Symphony is. And when I got there, very welcoming woman, very formidable woman as well. Um, one of the first women to graduate from Rutgers with a concentration in sports. Um, was involved in so many different sports leagues and consultant work, and she really had a foothold in that environment. So it was really wonderful talking to her and inspiring as well to just kind of see how much history and how much experience she had. She had a plethora of wisdom to give on a ton of different topics, but the one thing that she did say that stuck out when I was interviewing her was just how divided the city was, um, back in the, the mid 1900s into the latter part of the 1900s where, you know, you go to a country club and, you know, women wouldn't sit with the men and there was definitely an air of segregation, not just with gender but also with race and it was really interesting to hear that and in many ways Jacksonville is a city that still has like small tendrils of that in it it's such a big city and you have places like Riverside which is like the chill hippie gay friendly area also called five points part of town and then you have Southside which you know you have the beaches you have the town center And then you have the north side where the airport is. And then you have the west side. And then you have like areas like Mandarin. You have these areas where people don't really come together unless there's an event that brings them together. But even then, it's kind of like this standoffish feeling. And it's weird to feel such a frisier in a city where it's so large and and ever-spanding. But... I feel like the work that the Jacksonville Symphony does kind of helps to alleviate that. As Tony Nichol was saying in the podcast, you know, it's about bringing people together through love of music. Because most people that you'll find, I think in my lifetime, in this person, like, I don't judge people or try to, like, say things about people, but it's just strange if you meet someone that doesn't like any kind of music. I met one person in my lifetime that has said, I hate music, which I just don't personally comprehend, but to each his own. But everyone, even if they don't like the same kind of music, they like some kind of music. You find camaraderie in music. Like, for instance, you can go um, around someone who doesn't even speak the same language and play an artist like Stevie Wonder or Aretha Franklin, or Earth, Wind, and Fire, and they'll know who that person is, and you both can start dancing to the same thing because you have a love of the same music. And in many ways, that's the concept of the Jacksonville Symphony. 
Um, Tony Nichol talked a lot, and Tony Nichols, a director, by the way, of the the Jacksonville Symphony, very integral part of creating programs and kind of structuring what the content is going to look like and the ideas behind the different seasons that they have. Um, highly, highly intelligent individual. And it was such a joy talking to him because it's nice to be able to vibe with somebody who, you know, appreciates Mozart and Strauss and can also talk about more modern artists as well and also the impact of music on on the on academia and what that looks like and you know him having been a professor him knowing firsthand what that looks like as well before I digress too much you know he did talk a lot about how the symphony is shifting from being traditional where you know you have your patrons who have been going to the symphony for a long period of time and they're used to hearing a certain type of music and not necessarily you know completely negating that not ignoring that by changing everything up you're still having those those classical compositions that people know and love but you're blending them with new age types of things like for instance over the last year since the podcast they've had tributes to Lauren Hill they've had tons of blues music they've had more film and live orchestra showings where they're playing a film on the screen and a live orchestra is playing the soundtrack to the film as the film is going um, which is a great way to experience a film. That's actually how I discovered the Jacksonville Symphony is through The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is one of my favorite films of all time. And that's how, you know, that showing was presented to me. I had seen it, of course, before the Jacksonville Symphony. But being able to watch a film and seeing live music being played in the background was something that I had never personally experienced before. So that was a great feeling. And there are a lot of little things that they do like that. But also their student outreach is just phenomenal. I'm really big on, you know, kids being able to play instruments and being provided with the ability to experience music regardless of what their background is or how much money they have. And this is something that Giella kind of said as well with her girls rock work that she does where, you know, the girls compose a song and they get to experience music, which is just such a great thing. Um, we live in a community where because it is so diverse and also because it can be fractured, you need creative things that bring people together. And creativity is one of the best ways to create a symbiosis in a community. If you have people that are artists and they draw and they sing and they dance, they play music, they rap, or you enjoy video games, it's the best way to get groups of people together that normally wouldn't have met otherwise. For me, on a personal note, I've met so many people based off my interests that I might not have met if I didn't actively go out and seek those types of individuals because they don't necessarily just fall into your life. You have to get immersed in that culture to truly experience, in most cases at least. Um, but that's that's something that definitely is one of the best experiences that I've had 
on this podcast as far as interviewing is my interview with the Jacksonville Symphony. I was on site for that interview, as I was for most of my interviews. I was on site for the most part. There were some where I were not. The latter few interviews that I did, I was not on site, but they were still great interviews. But this was great because I got to experience the air of the symphony the air of what it's like to walk up that red carpet and just kind of feel the change in the air and kind of hear the acoustics from a distance. So that was a lot of fun. I think that out of all the interviews that I've done, um, I, I truly did enjoy the opportunity to also talk about LGBT plus topics, which I was able to do in several different interviews. Primarily with Giella, especially her being a person of color, a queer person of color, it was nice to get the perspective of how difficult that can be and how treatment in one area can change when you go to more open places such as LA, California, and just places where it's very commonplace to see people of color who are on any part of that LGBT plus spectrum. So that was really, really nice. Um, when I had my podcast, um, it, well, I have a podcast now, but when I had my YouTube channel, I spent a lot of time talking about LGBT plus topics. And for me, I was so young back then. I want to say that I was like 18, 19, maybe 20 years old when I stopped and I didn't have a huge grasp of the LGBT plus community. I hadn't spent a lot of time around people in the community. And I also really hadn't had the opportunity to be educated outside of things that I looked up on Google and read in books. So my experience now is very different. And it's nice to see individuals like Giella kind of lend something to that conversation and create something in which people can truly express themselves. Like Giella created something called Duval Folks, which is kind of what we talk about in the podcast. It just didn't have an official name then, but like a, a party where people of color can express themselves, can enjoy each other's company and kind of bask in their, their love for music and just kind of being in a positive atmosphere. It goes beyond just having groups of um, a certain minority in a room together but people of all colors come together to kind of experience the city, experience each other, and kind of network. And it's a, it's a really great thing, and it feels good, and it brings a sense of camaraderie. And something that I wanted to do with this podcast is really promote individuals and give individuals who believe in merging with many groups of people, and they believe and doing something inspiring for other people, kind of bring them onto the podcast and kind of give them that that moment to share their passion and why they care so much about doing that. And, you know, even with Janet Varney, um, we, you know, we talked a lot about her work with The Legend of Korra, but it was a great interview. It was a great interview because here is someone regardless of whether or not we got fully into everything, um, who does promote versatility. You know, running something like SF Sketch Fest, which is her comedy festival 
over in San Diego, sorry, San Francisco. It's not just a combination of here's the most popular comedians in America and we're going to get them all together for one festival. It's a combination of improv, a combination of larger and smaller performers from indie to mainstream and a combination of podcasts and performance art and different things that allow people to express themselves. So to watch someone who is a woman kind of create something like that with the help of others. She's a co-creator of that, but it's just very inspiring. There's not very many people that I look up to. There's a lot of people that I respect because of what they've done, but there's not a lot of people that I look up to. And I definitely look up to Janet Varney because to me, she's a very down-to-earth person um, who has been able to do a good amount of things in her lifetime. And they're kind of at her leisure without kind of compromising who she is as a person, which to me is so important. A lot of time you see people who they make it to a certain point in life or they kind of establish themselves to a certain degree where they start to lose parts of, I don't want to say their humanity, but their humbleness. And they become this larger than life person who forgets what it's like to not be that person. And when you talk to her and when you correspond with her, you don't get that sense at all. And even on her podcast, the JV Club podcast, in many ways, I owe her special thanks because she is a huge part of why I have this podcast platform now. It really inspired me just the way she interviews individuals. A lot of times when you listen to celebrities or people who have established a good following or a bigger following, you normally hear them ask them a succession of the same questions that you've heard on every single interview practically and you don't really get that at all on her podcast it's very much so geared towards you know what their journey was like how did you get to this point specifically what was your childhood like what were some of the things that you struggled with for me it's it's like a coming of age type podcast but fun and I really liked that and that's not necessarily exactly what I wanted to do with the raindrop corner, but I wanted to ask questions that could really peer into what kind of a person are you? Why do you do this? What do you get from it? How do you feel? And what are some of your thoughts and principles on the different things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? And that's essentially what this podcast is. And I think for that reason, um, Having Carson T. Morrissey and Shelby Davis was super, super great as well because I have a huge passion for film and writing and acting. And it was nice to be able to talk about the state of film and the state of representation in different pieces of media that we look at. When you look at a show, a movie, or even a book, even though there's much more representation than there used to be, there's still a strong lack of it. And a lot of times, you know, sexuality is kind of treated as an afterthought, or it's pawned off on a side character, not really a main character. It's something that's there. It it makes me almost feel like the CW, where they insert the one minority in the show so it feels diverse but it's really not 
And in many ways, I feel like that's sometimes how LGBT plus representation comes across in new age media. Now, there are definitely some exceptions to this. And we live in an age where it's actually starting to get a lot better, which is really encouraging. It's really nice being able to turn on Netflix, turn on Hulu, or go watch a movie and like in the theaters and then be pleasantly surprised at the fact that oh my gosh there are people of color in this and not necessarily like I'm I'm I guess what you would consider a black American but not just people of you know black heritage but I like going to a film and seeing someone who's Asian or someone who is Indian. You really don't see that very often. It's even harder for them to get jobs than it is for somebody who's black to get a job. So that's really refreshing to see. And I really loved the fact that we were able to dive into that and talk about it. These are two individuals that seriously are very passionate about what they do. It's super hard to make a film. It's very hard to act. For some people, it might be easy but it takes a lot of channeling and it involves research if you really care about your craft and it involves really giving yourself to that particular you know project that you're working on and i think that when we see a film we have a tendency as a group of people to look at something and say hey you know this was good this sucked without really thinking about all the other things that go into that. And you can even equate that to books. When I was interviewing Kenneth Thomas Sr., who is the author of Given Not Taken, great man, one of the best human beings that I know. He's genuinely Winley, such a sweet person. And I've never seen, like this is a sidebar, but I've never seen somebody love their wife so much. And it is just the most beautiful thing in the world. But when he was talking about, you know, the fear of failing and how he felt about his book and getting different reactions to it. Because in the story, it involves an interracial relationship. He kind of talked a lot about how, you know, he got a lot of backlash from the black community, got a lot of backlash from people in general. And it really made me think about how we look at projects and how we look different things presented in a story and how we look at the thought of diversity and it it really kind of made me think about how I feel about my own projects like when I when you get on a podcast and you interview somebody you are giving part of yourself to people that you don't know like even if I'm just asking questions if I'm expounding on those answers that I get from the guests that I'm interviewing, in essence, I am presenting you to who I am, to who Kayla is. And by doing that, you are then putting yourself out there for positive and negative feedback. And something that I've learned is that, you know, it doesn't quite matter if someone thinks your work is good or bad what matters is the fact that you're putting heart into it the fact that you're putting quality into it and the one thing that I told myself is that you know every episode that I do is not perfect sometimes there are sound problems sometimes there are back there's background noise sometimes there's a sound of hollowness sometimes things happen during the podcast and 
You know, I can edit and edit, but I can't make every particular episode perfect. But you learn from it. And that was what season one is and was for me, is a learning experience. Every single person that I talked to, you know, gave me something great from the podcast. And, you know, I really loved Katie Davis's. I call her Rosie. Rosie is her preferred nickname. But when I interviewed Miss um, Davis, it was a great interview. And it was a great interview because it allowed me to expound my range and who I was interviewing. Um, she did talk a lot about acceptance at port during portions of the podcast, being someone who has a family from Romania and always kind of feeling like, you know, that outcast because of how people treated her. She was a cool kid, you know, that did a report on vampire bats and on, you know, Vlad the Impaler and, you know, just these concepts that most people wouldn't write about, but just kind of how she stuck out and, and how people responded to her and, and how people even treated her family upon being in this country, you know, was super, super interesting for me. You learn a lot about people's backgrounds, where they come from, and even her work with tarot and just the stigmas attached to doing tarot, which a lot of people find to either be, you know, demonic or bad or negative. And the truth is there's nothing bad or demonic about it. And just kind of changing your perspective on it. And a lot of the guests that I've had on this show is to kind of open up a discussion and to create an environment of openness. From Ryan to Ken, who, you know, touches people through words, to Miss Davis, who has this uncanny ability to reach people on an emotional level and to give something through, you know, a talent of hers that she has, which is whether it's tarot, whether it's, you know, through her podcast, the Crypt Kids podcast, where she talks about her love of horror films and she connects over that to, you know, Carson's desire to create films that captivate people, inspire people, drive people, and give them a learning experience for, and an appreciation for entertainment, not just horror entertainment, but for human interactions in a representation of the human condition. And then Janet Farney, who is someone who essentially sees a very humanistic side and can acknowledge the growth that we've had in television in how we represent interactions in human relationships. And then Giella, who has an absolute desire to take the experiences that she's had, some of which are traumatic, and really channel them into a positive vessel for evolution, and an evolution that can transfer into other people. So that is essentially what the Raindrop Corner podcast is. It's a vessel of transformation, and it's a conduit for cool people to talk about what they do and what they want to do. So I sincerely thank every single person who has ever listened to my podcast at any point in time, who has supported me, who has been there for me, who has reviewed this podcast, who has subscribed to it, who has liked it. Any any attention that you've ever given to this podcast, I appreciate to every single guest 
and I will name you one by one just out of appreciation to Ryan Troutman, to Andrea Syracuse from Dreams Come True, to Tony Nickel from the Jacksonville Symphony, to Kenneth Thomas Sr., um, to Stephanie Taylor, to Katie Davis, a.k.a. Miss Rosie, to Carson T. Morrissey, and Shelby Davis, to Janet Barney, and to Miss Giella. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for being on this podcast. It was amazing truly meeting you all. Like some of you I already knew, but it was amazing getting to know you more through this podcast and also getting to be a small section of your much larger story. Um, This was wonderful and I can't wait for you guys to hear season two and all of the other guests that I have lined up going forward. As always, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys soon.